I feel like we've had our service already because we did our dedications and we prayed for our families. And what an amazing thing that the Lord takes care of us. We're in Exodus, though, this morning. We're finishing this book. If you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're in Exodus chapter 34. We're getting to the end. Almost done, and it's been a marvelous book. You know, it's easy to take in the big picture to think about, hey, God delivers like through the Red Sea, and and, and God's going to dwell with his people, and we grab hold of those good, amazing, big things. But these last chapters are actually kind of important. Today we're going to talk about being glorious, which is really funny because the last chapters, as we've started to see, are about something called a low anthropology. You guys know what a low anthropology is? It means a low view of people. We are sinners. And sometimes you think, well, what does that have to do with us being glorious? Well, everything, actually. As you start thinking today, helping you and me today understand our lives in Christ, boy, Exodus is actually super helpful. (laughs) Because you can call me a lot of things. You could say I'm stout. You could say I'm middle-aged, if you're being kind. What you probably wouldn't say of me is that I'm glorious. Or if you did, I would look at you funny. (laughs) Don't call me glorious. And yet today, there's an important, important truth for us to walk in. That we have glory somehow. Right now, in your life, this day, so, so this wonder that God is rich in mercy and he's done this amazing thing for us, but oftentimes we're going to get pulled back to, 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 to change how we think about the story that we know, the, the truths that stand before us, because we, we start to think, I've got to get somewhere. I've got to, I've got to get glorious. I don't see it in this life by faith. And so God says to you and me something like, walk, Dax, walk. And I start on this walk, and it's a hot hike, and I see somebody come by on a bicycle. I said, well, maybe I should ride a bike. And I see a car. Maybe I should jump in a car. It goes way faster to get to this point where I'm supposed to get. And I stop hearing God just saying, walk. Just walk. So I want, I want to show you that today. I, I want to go into that today with you, that God is in charge. and We marvel and we have this amazing privilege that you and I have this glory by the Spirit that's by faith that you have right now. And we're going to see it from Exodus. So we're going to look first at the covenant because God um, finishes this amazing chapter with, with this reinstatement of the covenant that they should have had on their obedience, but they don't. So pick it up with me, Exodus 34, verse 10. Here we go. First, the covenant. So God says, behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of Yahweh. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So so if you've just picked up with us and you haven't been in Exodus, it sounds like, yeah, yeah, the covenant. They're going to start, God's making a covenant with them. And you don't realize that the covenant's already been trashed. Right? Remember? 
Remember Moses coming down the mountain and he sees all the people and they're, they're the very first breath they're doing, they're committing idolatry. And so he throws the tablets down on the ground and it shatters the relationship they have with God as done because they're disobedient people. Boy, those bad Israelites. And, and they've had this whole chapter we did last time of, of this idea. They're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen after they, some 3,000 of them got killed and there's a plague. And, and they still know God's not going to go with them now. And then all of a sudden, here's God, just by his mercy. And it's so different than what you and I think. God just says this, behold, I'm making a covenant and I'm going to do awesome things among you. What doesn't he say? He doesn't say what I say to my kids. Something like this, I would say. You are a total mess up. I want you to never do that again. Don't you dare. Here's the, t- I am rewriting the Ten Commandments and I want to go through them again closely so that you will do them this time. Instead, what does God say? After Moses has been pleading with him for mercy, God just has mercy. He just says, okay, I'm, I'm going to. The message is the wonder of what God has done. Stop. So often we feel like it's more about kind of what you have to do to, to, to get favor back, especially if you've messed up or, or if, if you've sinned or if you've hurt somebody or, or you've done wrong and you know it and they all know it. So it's about what do we, what do, we do so we get back in God's favor? And instead God's just like, well, I'm going to do mercifully what I had said for you. Pretty cool. God of all the people, it's all going to be me. You're already disobedient, but watch out. You know, watch out. You say, well, there's some commands here. Yeah, because there are things that this becomes a reality for, right? Look with me. It's easy to miss. This is your God. He's not generic. He's not some go power. He's personal God on your side. And he says, he says this. He says, observe what I command you this day. Well, Dax, that, that means he's going to do a covenant, but they've got to observe some things. No, because the covenant is there, these things make sense. Look, look what he says. He says, behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites. They're all going out. That's what God had told them he was going to do. He was giving them a land. Take care, he says, verse 12, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst, you shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their asherim. For you shall worship no other God, for Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you're invited, and you eat of his sacrifice, and you take of their daughters for your sons, and their daughters whore after their gods, and make your sons whore after their gods. Whoa. I didn't know we could say the word whore in church. (laughs) Yeah, it means that there's a snare here in front of you. And God says, I'm going to do this amazing thing for you. Look what I've done for you. But that doesn't mean there's no snares. Let me tell you about the snares. It's not, you've got to do this or else I'm going to not do the covenant. It's not, if you don't like shape up, then I'm not even sure I'm going to be your God. No, he's like, I'm your God. And you realize there's some dangers. There's some pits in the road. One of the pits is that if you start being like all the other people that don't know me, they're going to pull you away from me. That's what he's saying, right? 
warning, warning, you'll forget me and I, because I know you, you're going to be lured away from this great God. And, and the issue is remembering that this is your God. You shall not make yourself any gods of cast metal. Yeah, that's because I, I, I'm your God, says God. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. The month of Abib, you came out from Egypt. All that opens the womb are mine. All your male livestock, the firstborn of cows and sheep. The firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. Or if you won't redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons, you shall redeem. And none of you shall appear for me empty-handed. This is super serious stuff. You know, you've got to remember, I delivered you from Egypt. The most amazing thing you've ever known in your whole life is your deliverance by me, says God. Don't forget it. What a horrible thing if you would. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest you shall rest. That's because it's all me. We talked about the Sabbath this way. The Sabbath is the reality that God has done it all. And you aren't getting any further ahead with your work. So take a day off. Acknowledge, remember that because I've done it, says God. You shall observe the Feast of Weeks. The first fruits of the wheat harvest, the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall all your males appear before Yahweh God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders, and no one shall covet your land. And when you go up to appear before Yahweh your God, these three times in a year, I'm your guardian and I'm your provider. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened or let the sacrifice of the piece of Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of Yahweh your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You're doing really good if you're staying with me through this stuff. Because what in the world... And the, the idea is God is telling them, I've done these things for you. In mercy, you don't deserve even a tiny bit of what I'm going to do for you. And here I am. I'm giving this to you. And I'm going to go with you. This is what they lost. And he's giving it to them. I'm going to go with you. I'm covenanting with you again. But now he's saying not, get up on that. You tell me what you're going to do. And, and, and I'm going to do it. If you, He's saying, I'm doing this. And I'm warning you. These are the pits. Make sure you come and give your feast because that reminds your heart that I'm the one that provides for you. Make sure that you don't um, mix in some leaven with the bread that you give me because that's a symbol to me of the purity of my bread for you. I don't know about the goat and the mother's milk thing. Nobody does. There's like 14 books on it. They all say, well, maybe it's a Canaanite practice. Cool. We don't know. But we know that it's, it's something where God's saying, hey, the reality is I'm doing this for you. And don't miss that there are some pits and things you can fall into because you can start thinking you're doing it. Okay. Well, that's all great. 
And if you've made it with me that far, God finally did it. In the face of their broken wrongness, he went ahead, he told them, you need these pieces, these practices, I remind you that I'm yours. And we could go then into how these practices kind of fit us. And, and, and we, we do these things that help us remember, right? We take communion. We see baptism, we're doing one next week. We read our Bibles to give us the word and get us always thinking about the gospel and the message. And we do those things. We have fellowship on Sunday morning. These are good things to remind us that, oh, Jesus Christ is what it's all about. But but you know there's a text here. And it's remarkable. Because that's not kind of where the text goes. The text does something really weird. <laughs> look, look, look at what happens. The text starts talking about glory. Glory. I, uh, look down with me at uh, verse 25. Uh, it's 29. Yeah, another thing you wouldn't say about me is that I have good eyesight anymore. So Moses, when he came down from Mount Sinai, the text says, with the two tablets of the testimonies hands, he came down from the mountain. God has said these things, and the two tablets, and again, we've talked about this. I, I believe it's two copies of the Ten Commandments, one for them and one for God. This is the covenant. This is, this is what they've said we're going to do, even though God's not emphasizing the Ten Commandments right now. He's telling him, I'm just doing it. As he came down, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he'd been talking with God. He had physical changes. He was glowing, you guys. Whoa. So Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Man, it's like radioactivity. It's like he's been, it's, sorry, think of it, right? Think of, I've been in the presence of God, I've gotten radioactive, and now he's coming on, now he's shining, and the guys are like, well, I'm, I'm just going to stay far away from you. What's going on? But Moses called to them, and, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Okay, so they, they, they were in his presence and they saw. And afterward, the people of Israel came near and the, uh, commanded them all that Yahweh had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Okay, let's finish off this little section. Whenever Moses went in before Yahweh to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the people of Israel what was commanded. For the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with God again. Now, this is, this is amazing. I, I don't know about you. For a long time, I was under this impression. Maybe you are too. That what happened was, Moses went in and got close to God. His face started shining, and when he left God, he had to put a veil on his face so they couldn't see. That's not true, is it? Did you see that that's not true in the text? This is important. Don't miss this. This is the Bible. We, we skip over stuff because we think it ought to fit a certain thing. This is more. He would come out of the tent and speak with people with his face glowing. And then once he'd spoken the words of God, then he put the veil down. So that sort of the rest of the normal things that he did, it wasn't like he was glowing all the time. But he was always glowing. By the way, for the rest of his life. You come in to see Moses, he's got a veil on. Why? Because he always was glowing. 
This is remarkable. This is interesting. I mean, uh, this is where I want us to really consider our lives this morning. You want an evaluation? Here it is, because the New Testament is not silent on this episode. I get, I get, and maybe you do too, the importance of keeping the Ten Commandments. Yes, yes, yes. I get, I, I, maybe you do too, the, the reality that we try and be good people and we try and love God and love people. I get that. I don't even think about glory. You say, well, no, duh, Dax, because you haven't been into the presence of God. Really? What's your theology about that? What do you think is going on? Because I have turned to Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit who indwells me, and he indwells every single person in this room who's a believer. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I do. It's not something we just say mention and then go away. This is something we believe. The Holy Spirit is, and so I'm tempted to think of my Christian life as sort of striving to show that I'm a Christian, striving to be an improved workman, but that striving takes the form of sort of working for Jesus to show you that I'm really his, you know. I'll show you the 14 ways that I'm trying to be the best Christian I can to to show you that I have the Spirit. That's not the Bible, you know. Really important to see this. The glory is is your, your glory. It's not in the goodness that you do. The glory, I, I think for me, it's in my goodness or it's in my being a good witness or it's in something right there. What I thought, because I thought that this whole thing was like, yeah, Moses, it's about speaking the words of God and as soon as I speak the words of God, then, then, so that kind of would fit, huh? Like if you thought, okay, I'm glorious, maybe you are too, when you are sharing Jesus, like Moses, because Moses would go into the presence of God, he would get like, man, he'd, maybe he'd be in his Bible, wouldn't be upside down. And, 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 then, and then he would like, he would get the word. And then when he proclaimed the word, he's shining. And then he would put the veil back down and do his normal tasks. Like, you know, gardening. Whatever else he's doing. So this is important to spend 10 minutes, five minutes, just a couple minutes on. What does the New Testament actually say? Go there. We read it, but but I, I don't know that you really, you know, we're still basking in the glory of dedications, how cool it is to have families we're praying for. And what about you in glory? So look with me. It's it's first uh, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seven. Second Corinthians, if you want to look, you can look later. I'll put it on the screen. It says, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For there is glory in the ministry of condemnation. The ministry of righteousness was far exceeded in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For what if... For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more what was permanent have glory. What, what, okay, I got lost. Don't get lost. This is super important for your life in Christ. He says, okay, there was great glory with Moses. We just saw it, right? Moses went into God's presence. When he got into God's presence, it was so amazing that his face glowed, and then he went away, and his face kept glowing. And it wasn't like paint, you know, that wears off or a henna tattoo. This is like, like this is the real thing. Like he's going to glow for the rest of his life. Imagine that for a minute. Just imagine that if you walked into a room with your face glowing, 
you're weird. And, 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 and so here's Moses saying, he didn't say, well, that was glory, right? But actually, that whole thing that we've been reading is called by Paul the ministry of death. Doesn't seem like death. Why is it death? Because they're so disobedient, they're not going to do it, right? It's the Ten Commandments that they don't do. But it came with glory. It's from God. It's good. It's the law. But it's, it's, it's passing. He's calling it the ministry of condemnation. Why? Because the law always accuses. They look like fools. In fact, most of us in our heart of hearts said, man, I could have done better than them. Those Israelites. Because they sin and they shouldn't. The Ten Commandments are simple and straightforward and they all fall down. That's why it's the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. But it had glory. Moses' face shone with glory, right? So here's this incredible statement. Paul says, how much more will the ministry of the Spirit have glory. The spirit, that's the opposite of the ministry of death and condemnation. That's the opposite of, of, of and not. But it, it's not saying that, that somehow Moses didn't really have glory. It's like saying, if I said, man, you know, I am so not a baseball player. But if I said, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is way better than Hank Aaron, you would debate me probably. I don't know. Did I say something wrong? Someone will have to tell me later. They will. Nathan will tell me. But I'll tell you what, I'm not taking away anything from Hank Aaron. I'm just saying it's so amazing how Ken Griffith Jr. was. So it's like Moses. Moses was amazing. But it can't even hold a candle to the ministry of the Spirit has glory. Okay, so, so you're with me with that. Stay, stay there. Don't lose me yet because it gets amazingly better, right? The ministry of righteousness. He's talking about the gift of righteousness that Jesus gives his people. Not the righteousness made by man. We already know they didn't do it. It's a ministry of condemnation. Now we have this ministry of the spirit and, and keep going. So look what he says. So since we have such a hope, we are very bold. What hope? Glory. And not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that Israel might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So, so this is it. You've got to follow Paul. Moses uncovered his face to say God's words and then he put the veil back on. He wasn't showing glory with everything he did. Just with special things. That's Moses. If you're of the thing that says, hey, when I preach... I'm giving glory of God. When I evangelize, I'm giving the glory of God. When I do good things, I'm doing the glory of God. You're Moses. If you think the other times, you don't. Because that's what he's saying. And then Paul says, we are not like Moses. Because he says, when one turns to the Lord, what, did I miss it? Where do we go? It says, their minds were hardened, Yes, to this very day, they're hard, and he's talking about them, but I want to talk about us. So, so in 17, it says this. I'm just not seeing today. In 16, he says this. But when one turns to the Lord, it's right there in the middle, the veil is removed. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. He's talking about the veil on you, isn't he? Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, wait. Christ in you is the hope of glory, not law-keeping ever. So what you have is glory, the hope of glory, right? By the Spirit in you, period. Not by you. 
You can't miss this. By him, he is at work, and we fight to keep that viewpoint central. We strive to keep that viewpoint central, that it's the Spirit that gives me glory. And he's really strong here, because when he says the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, this is huge. Where the old covenant was, there was not freedom. These are the rules. You do them. If you do them, great. If you don't, punishment. And here we have the Spirit a whole nother way. Because the glory of God is the glory of God in you. Because you are the one who Christ died for. That that's what I have. This is the glowing. The glowing is, is when you brush your teeth. The glowing is when you're reading your novel. The glowing is you being you. Why? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I mean, I can do any. No, you do do everything. You do, you live life. And as you're living life, this text is saying the Holy Spirit in you is shining. What's the main objection to that? Here's the main objection to that for most people. I don't think I'm shining. If I look at my life, I do not shine. When I examine myself, I'm still the same stinking jerk I was yesterday. I'm working on it, Dax, but I struggle. And, and, and you know what the reality is? What, what's the reality? Why are you using your eyes? What do you think you see? Why do you not live by faith? Why do you not trust the word of God? Why do you not understand that it's about what the spirit of God is saying it is, not what you evaluate with your brain? Because this is our big problem. This is it. It's so amazing. It's right here in the Old Testament, pushed forward to the new, where Paul says, hey, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And, and, and he says this, he says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Boom, mic drop. Why do I say that? Because he says, hey, you want transformation? And that's what everybody wants. I want to get glorious. So I'm going to get transformed from my non-glorious self that sweats while it's on the stage to some amazing person that doesn't. I'm going to get transformed from some like, I don't know, guy who can't make a basket to somebody who like shoots free throws 100% of the time. Morally. And instead he says, no, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are being transformed. How? By the fill in the blank. Spirit. This is the Spirit. This comes from the Lord who's the Spirit. I don't know if you can really get this in our society and culture and upbringing that's so about self-reliance and self-orientation and self-period. We don't like it. It goes against my nature. But what it's said here is that you are being transformed, not that you're transforming yourself, not that you're helping, not that it's part you and part God. It's just the spirit. You're being transformed. It's not anything you do, not one bit. You can't judge or measure or de- sort of doubt or downgrade. You just are. Why? Because this is what the Lord, who is the Spirit, does. Why? I don't He does it by shining in our hearts the knowledge of the glory of God. 
in the face of Jesus. It's Jesus for me. Stop. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All Jesus. He's done it all. And he is our all in all. And he is connected to you this morning. You've had the vaccine. If you trust, you've had the vaccine. And this time it really works. You don't got to get boosters. You've, 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 you've seen the movie and it's not a story. It's the truth. And seeing it changes who you are because you understand something that is, gives the knowledge of Jesus. When we say one of the things of our church is to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, this is what we mean. You've abandoned your self-righteousness and even when you haven't, because we don't, the Spirit still at work to open your eyes and bring you to the cross because the glory of Jesus Christ is more brightly shining than the sun. And it has nothing to do with you. You've been in his presence. Do you not believe that we who get Christ get the Holy Spirit? Do you not believe that we who get Christ are united to him by the Spirit? If you've been united to God, you have a shining glory. And you know what the hardest thing is? You don't look like it. This is why we come to church. This is why we come back to the message. This is why we preach again. This is why we come and say, this is the perspective of transformation. That I am transformed by the Spirit and I trust in what he's done. So fight the devil. Would you? The devil says you aren't transformed and he starts to drag you back it's like if you guys are it's like a fisherman he throws the hook out there you know you should be a little better right he starts pulling you in and pulling you in and pulling you in to pretty soon you're doubting you're even a christian because you haven't changed enough or maybe worse you're doubting they're not a christian sorry you guys are my example this whole side of the church i'm not sure you're a christian why you're not good enough these guys over here doing better than you reeled in to evaluate and judge not on the spirit and transformation by the spirit but on works and transformation by works by the works of the law no man will be justified in the sight of god ever not before not during not after what i know is this when we get to heaven you will look like something so amazing i will want to worship you i won't because we'll be worshiping jesus but it's going to be so amazing and, and the, the passage in Second Corinthians, we haven't been able to go through it all, but it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, ours, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So, ministry of death, passing away, versus the ministry of the Spirit that is permanent. We have the Spirit. Oh, take heart. Veil present, that's Moses and veil removed. We've turned to the Lord. We have him and the spirit brings freedom. This is what transforms you and me. So would you please stay with me today with a low anthropology? You are a sinner. You deserve nothing. You continue to sin and you should rightly hate it. At the same time, my whole hope is in what Jesus has done for me. Not yesterday, not 2,000 years ago, but today, he is enough for you and me. It's amazing, this God. We are glorious, not by sight. 
we are used and fruitful and amazingly just where God wants us because he is God. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this passage in Exodus, the glory you gave Moses that could be seen. Lord, forgive us that we don't understand the wonder of what, the depth of the wonder of what you've done for us. Lord, I constantly want to be my own little God. Forgive me. Lord, forgive us for being a people that don't actually trust you moment by moment. And by your spirit, help us too, Lord. May your spirit continue to work in us. We know that he does. May you transform us. We know that you do. Lord, we long to be free from these bodies of sin and death. And we so look forward to an eternity with your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.